Next on BYU Sports Nation, it's another midweek mystery. Who's going to start at quarterback for BYU football? Is it Zach Wilson's rightful claim? BYU basketball is one-on-one without Yoli. What is a fair expectation for the Cougar Hoopsters at the end of the nine-game suspension? Plus, with critical matchups all throughout BYU athletics this week, which BYU team has the most to gain? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday, November 13th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who at some point... Probably about halfway through this show, we'll stop paying attention. Jason Shepard. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Following right in Jamal Williams' footsteps. Uh, that's really funny. That was, look, you could hide the fact that you weren't paying attention, but just to come out and say it, I love that. And no that shame. is so Jamal. That no is great. Shame. That is so good. Is so genuine. In fact, we received permission from the Green Bay Packers to show anybody who hasn't seen that clip <laughs> what happened during a media interview session in front of Jamal Williams' locker. Watch and listen to this. How occurs with you by the commitment to the run now that the weather's turned a little bit and just get the feeling that uh, this is the time of year with the weather conditions and cold and a little bit more is going to be put on you guys, your guys' plate? No? I kind of, sort of kind of got confused. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. Halfway through your question, I stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> so the bye week has begun. <laughs> all I know is cold weather means more carry, so that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there are very few people who can get away with that, and it is lovable. You know what I mean? Jamal's one of us. It's great. He's great. In his defense, it was a long, kind of drawn out question. And so I don't fault him for not paying attention for part of that because even I was like, okay, what's being asked again? Because, yeah, it was a question about running, and then it went into a little weather report. And then, but you have I, more I, on your plate like, because I understand, of the weather. Like, I understand where the guy was going, but but yeah, I can also understand why Jamal tuned out. <laughs> his eyes, his, his eyes are the, hilarious. The best part was mm, he's like he's like stalling, <laughs> and then finally he's like, he's I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm just gonna come out with it. I wasn't listening. That's great. It's so good. Oh, Jamal, we love the J Swag Daddy. We also love today's show lineup, Jason, because it includes Riley Nelson, former BYU. BYU quarterback. He's been in some quarterback battles at BYU. He is now the radio analyst with Greg Rebell. Should it be Zach Wilson automatically? Is he the starting quarterback if he is cleared? We go deep blue with Diane Gawoluku, his incredible backstory of escaping civil war. Plus, Dave Odom, why the Maui Invitational keeps asking BYU basketball to come back. Bring on today's headlines. And a welcome back to senior BYU defensive backs. Troy Warner and Chris Wilcox, both expected to play against Idaho State this Saturday and in all remaining games this season, for that matter. And because they'll both play in four games or fewer, the redshirt season exception remains intact. Troy Warner returning after a Liz Frank injury and his foot and says, uh, yeah, he's looking forward to contribute in any way possible. 
Honestly, just playing the four best games that I've ever played here as a Cougar. Um, and any way that I can do that, whether it's more film study, uh, whether it's, you know, staying after practice, doing a little something here and there, just to perfect my craft, um, uh, I'll do it so that I can be at my best for this team and uh, for my own performances as well. Let's go Troy, and let's go Chris for that matter, who is returning after a season-ending knee injury last season. Men's basketball looks to rebound from Saturday's loss to San Diego State as they host the 2-0 Southern Utah T-Birds tonight. SUU coming off a very big win over the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and head coach Mark Pope knows tonight's game is going to be a challenge. They've done a really nice job down there. They, they did a good job with their first two games, won a big game at Nebraska over the weekend and single overtime, double overtime, I can't remember, double overtime. And, and um, you know, they're playing with great pace and intensity, and these guys are playing really hard. So they've done a terrific job. It's a good team. Watch the game on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio, 9 Eastern, 9 Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. I will have radio pregame coverage beginning one hour before tip-off. National Signing Day for NCAA basketball goes down today. This marks the first year men's and women's Division I basketball players can sign scholarships on November 13th to help speed up the process. Of course, we'll have any BYU signing updates as they become official. Stay tuned to our social media accounts in particular. West Coast Conference announced its postseason women's soccer awards yesterday. Big time congratulations goes out to BYU head coach Jennifer Rockwood, who was named the coach of the year, well-deserved. Michaela Coulihan was named the WCC player of the year. What else you got? Yeah, we got a lot because BYU cleaned up. Seniors Elise Flake and Alyssa Jefferson were named the all-WCC first team, while seniors Lizzie Braby and Rachel Lyman received all-WCC second team. Okay. Honorable mentions went to Sabrina Davis, Danica Sarasio, Cameron Tucker, and Jamie Shepard. Speaking of Jamie, she and S.J. Affleck received all freshman honors. Let's just go ahead and name the entire BYU team <laughs> all West Coast Conference. Yeah, they – look, their season warranted every bit of that. No question. No question. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Zach attack is back, at least to practice, and taking reps now. Does that mean Zach Wilson is the obvious choice to start at quarterback for BYU against Idaho State? And for that matter, Jason, is it fair for Zach Wilson to just automatically take the starting position back? Uh, Yeah, it's fair. He is the number one quarterback for a reason. He earned it. He earned it last year in the seven starts that he made, and he earned it in fall camp. He, He has earned the right to play... When he comes back, he's the number one guy. And, and I think if you look back on, on Monday, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, Greg Rubel asked him on, on coordinator's corner. So if he's healthy, does he automatically come back in? And, and is he the guy? And, and Grimes said it, it's hard to not have that happen. I mean, like he, he's the number one guy. If he's healthy, he's cleared and ready to go. It certainly sounds like he's going to be the guy. And so, I mean, is it fair? Yeah, it's fair. Look, and this is nothing against Baylor Romney, who has been awesome. This takes nothing away from him, but Zach is the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at it this way. Like, let's, uh, let's say I Baylor Romney this show today. Oh, you're going to. Like, I, I'm going to kill this show. You're about to win. Like, I'm in for Jerem today. Uh-huh. Jerem comes back tomorrow. Are we going to go, mm, Jason really killed that show. <laughs> really bailered it. Hey, Wally Pip situation. Yeah. No, Jerem's coming in. He's doing the show tomorrow, okay? <laughs> he's earned that. So it's the same situation. Zach is the number one quarterback. 
He earned it, and if he's healthy, comes back, he gets it. I love it. I love the comparison. I almost love it as much as mine, Jason. First of all, what's your favorite restaurant? Just your favorite fast food restaurant. Oh, fast food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look, let's be honest. I'm going to go with a little Chick-fil-A. Okay, I'm okay, go Chick-fil-A. Great. okay Chick-fil-A. great. Chick-fil-A, you go on a road trip. You're out calling one of your millions of games that you're calling for BYU women's soccer, men's basketball. You're going to be in Houston. Let's say you go to Houston, no Chick-fil-A available. Oh, no, right? But your second favorite fast food restaurant is available. So you go there, you enjoy a meal, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Then you come back into town. Are you all of a sudden going to not go to Chick-fil-A and just go to your second favorite restaurant back in Provo? No. You're going to go to your number one person as soon as it's available again, right? I'm going to be honest. I like my analogy better. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Because you're Baylor Romneying this show, remember? You're going to kill it and win. No, you're going to go with your number one. Long ago, Zach Wilson established himself as the clear number one in this BYU group. So it is his clear designation. If he is okay and the doctors give him the okay, Zach Wilson should start and should play because it sends the right message to the team that, well, just because he got injured, you're not going to lose your position. Zach Wilson earned this a long time ago, and I said the same thing about Jaron Hall. He earned the second-string position a long time ago, and we were talking about, should BYU start Jaron if he's healthy or go with Baylor Romney because he beat Boise State? They started Jaron Hall. The coaches are sending the right message. Yeah. Topic number two. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to switch to basketball. Tonight will be BYU's third game without Yoli Childs. And after tonight, the Cougars will have six more before Yoli returns from his suspension. Speaking of fair, what is a fair expectation for BYU basketball in the nine games they will play without Yoli? I think five and four is a fair expectation. I think anything over that would be a massive overachievement. If BYU somehow was able to string together six wins and three losses, they should consider that a remarkable success. To the tune of BYU football starting the first four games this year at two and two. I, I kind of feel like that mm-hmm. would be the equivalent of BYU basketball winning six and three without Yoli Childs. Five and four, I think, is totally fair, Jason. I looked at the nine games again. Of course, BYU took care of Fullerton, and it stings that they lost to San Diego State because they were in position to win that game. But at one and one, BYU can figure out a way to come out of the first nine games without Yoli above 500. If it's below that, ugh. I don't know. I think there's enough leadership and talent and senior leadership at that between T.J. Haas and Dalton Nixon, Jake Toulson, that BYU should figure out a way to win the majority of these games. So I have them at five and four. And by the way, can we get a countdown to Yoli? Maybe that should be the next countdown, right? Look, I'm all about a countdown. You're not going to have to convince me to do any kind of countdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quick answer for me, and we're all on the same page, the quick answer is just be above 500. Okay. So heading into the season, I thought six and three – was achievable and reasonable. But I also had BYU beating San Diego State at home. Now that with, we know that that didn't happen. So using the same logic, though, I, I would say they go 5-4 and four, like you. You know, if 6-3, and three, if they're one off of that, then they're 5-4. and four. I, I believe BYU is, is capable of being better than that, but, but after dropping the San Diego State game, 5-4 and four, I think would be fair. If BYU can find a way to have a good showing in Maui in a few weeks, that number can go up. And what's interesting about that is if BYU loses in the opening round of the Maui Invitational to UCLA, 
then they drop into a different bracket. Right. They'll play Chaminade and then probably have another competitive winnable game in their third contest. So I, I don't know how I feel about all that because do you, do you want two wins regardless of who the opponent is or do you want to beat UCLA and then have to probably play Kansas yeah. who's going to be a top five team in the yeah, country you with, want, without Yoli? You want the better win than you want a number of wins. You want to have the better showing. I don't think there's any question in that. But I understand what you're saying in terms of, of getting the wins. And let's be honest, at the end of the day, it, it still boils down to what you're going to do in the West Coast Conference. That, that's what this season boils down to, and that's what Coach Pope has talked about, that you've got to be playing your best basketball when it counts. And that's at the end of February, beginning of March. I expect BYU to do just that, which is why I have them at 10-5. and five. And going 5-4 and four without Yoli still is in line with BYU going 10-5 and five in non-conference yeah. play. And then they really turned on in conference play. I think they have a real shot to win 13 games in conference. I think if BYU can be above 500 without Yoli, I think you're in really good shape. Hello, big week for BYU athletics, including BYU men's basketball tonight and later this week at Houston. Jason Shepard on the call. BYU women's volleyball in a vengeance match. Top 25 showdown at San Diego after the Toreros upset the Cougars in Provo. Soccer in the NCAA tournament against Boise State and football working on bowl eligibility and another quarterback quandary. Oh, and they can have a fourth straight (laughs) win as well. Which BYU team has the most to gain this week, Jason? Look, football gets ball eligible with a win, as you mentioned, but of course they're going to beat Idaho State, so I can't go there. I, like, I understand what it means to be ball eligible, but we all expect BYU to, to get there, and we all thought this team was going to be ball eligible this season anyway, so, so I, I can't say they have the most to gain. Women's soccer in the first round against Boise State, I, I fully expect BYU to win there. I, BYU is expected to win. You're hosting. You're a number two seed. They're that good. They've dominated all year. So I, I'm not going to go there because I, I think they're going to be able to get this done. What does Ken Palm have that game as? Two goal advantage? <laughs> sure, let's go there. Look, it's BYU. It's okay. probably a six goal advantage, okay? okay? All right. Uh, basketball is a big non-conference. They have a resume building game at Houston mm-hmm. on Friday. But the season is still so young. I just can't pin everything on game four of the, of the year. So my answer is women's volleyball. Preach. That's where I'm going. That game most likely determines if BYU wins the WCC or not. USD has already beaten BYU in Provo. They're both 10-1 and in conference right now. The the teams are tied in the standings. This game is not a gimme for BYU. So I think that ups the level of importance. And with all the other factors, I think that means that women's volleyball has the most to gain this week. Amen. A conference championship for the most part. I mean, it's a de facto conference title game. And yeah. I said 10 and one. They're 13. Yeah, the 13 and one. Okay. Both teams, 13 and one. BYU's got to go to San Diego, repay the favor. So not only do they pick up a huge confidence boosting road win, if they knock off San Diego, it's a top 25 win. And they probably clinch the West coast conference right. again. Yes, because of where this game happens and when it happens in the season compared to the other teams right now, it's about women's volleyball. And they're thinking about seeding for the NCAA tournament now. If they beat San Diego, it's another quality resume win. They've beaten Stanford. They've beaten Utah, who's climbing the rankings. BYU has a ton to gain. They have a huge opportunity in San Diego with Mary Lake and company. If they want a favorable seating and a more favorable seating, this is a must-win game. See, with soccer, you you know the path. The path is now in front of you because you're at that They're point. They're guaranteed three yes. home games. They're supposed to be Boise yes. State. For women's volleyball, like you said, nothing's guaranteed at this point. You're still working to set the table for what 
the postseason could look like. So I think that's why. Now, if BYU men's basketball wins two games this week, they beat Southern Utah, and they win at yes. Houston, then maybe this yes. is a different conversation, yes. right? Well, oh, they got a they got a big resume win on the road. Okay. All right. So that, that's why we're asking the question. And our question of the day is, what is a fair expectation for BYU basketball in the nine games without Yoli Childs tonight against Southern Utah and, of course, against Houston later this week? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Cougar A70 Answers on Twitter. Where there's Pope, there's hope. (laughs) But expectations are different. The Cougs will win four of the first nine games. Expect a couple of lights-out shooting games. Okay, so Cougar Ace has BYU going four and five. I think there's enough senior leadership on this team to be over 500 through the first nine. I know they're going to miss Yoli, but they can win five games. They, they can They absolutely that. can win five games. That's not crazy talk. Hashtag BYUSN to join the conversation. Coming up, Deep Blue with Diane Kowalikou. You will not want to miss this. A fabulous story. And Riley Nelson, former quarterback on the current quarterbacks. Is Zach Wilson automatically the guy if he's cleared? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU basketball team looks to rebound tonight against Southern Utah at the Marriott Center. Coverage begins on BYU Radio at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. You can watch tonight's game on BYU TV beginning at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play alongside Jason Shepard, who is paying full attention right now. What? I am Spencer Linton. Joining us in Studio B, current BYU football radio analyst, former BYU quarterback, good man all around, Riley Nelson. Riley, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Okay, let's start right with the Zach Wilson situation. Yeah. We know he's taking reps in practice. We are thinking that he's going to be fully cleared to play, but do you expect him to play this Saturday? And if so, how much should he play? Yeah, I think, here's what I'll say, whoever starts the game should go the game until hopefully where I think we're all hoping it gets out of hand <laughs> okay. and the next guy yes. plays. I don't think you go, you go into the game uh, and of course this is conjuring memories of Portland State 20 to 6 and I, I don't envision that happening but if it does you don't want to go into the into the game with a plan of look you're going to get the first half you're going to get the second half or anything like that. Whoever your starter is that's the horse that you're going to ride and you ride him until hopefully the game gets out of hand and then the next guy will get reps. So that said um, whoever they determine if if Zach's ready to go, I think you give him the start, and I think you try and get him the most reps and and that this year at least to come back and reestablish himself um, as the starter because it wasn't due to poor performance. In fact, he performed very well against the. I mean, I would fair to say the schedule that he played against is doubly harder than the than the more recent schedule, and so give him the opportunity to come back, reestablish himself as a team leader. If he's not 100 percent ready to go, um, and then you got him, you let Baylor take it. And if something happens to Baylor, knock on wood, or if the game gets out of hand, then, of course, Zach is there and and ready to get some reps. So you talked about how we expect BYU to win this game, and we certainly would love it to be by a large margin. What do you think is an adequate margin of victory for BYU in a game like this? 21-plus. Honestly, I don't think – this team is not one – they don't run tempo. We're not – you know, haven't proven to – 
produce a ton of big plays. We don't really get out and, and lap teams that we play. We're more of a grind it out, play solid, and over the course of a game, you know, we work out a victory. So with Idaho State coming in, um, where they, you know, they're struggling, you pop on the film and Look, it should happen, right? And I don't want to heap the expectations, but I expect it to happen. And uh, and then just knowing the nature of this BYU team, I, I think they're going to establish the run. I think I don't think they're going to change anything. Just the way this team is constructed, twenty one plus to me is adequate. Okay, Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's dive into something you were addressing uh, along the lines of Zach Wilson. Let's say that Zach comes in and he's he's rusty and and things are not going well early. You you stay with him, or do you say, okay, maybe we need Baylor Romney back in a game because he's more attuned to this? Like, what do you think of that situation? No, to me, that's the strategy behind if he's if he's medically cleared, get him in now because there is going to be that rust right. and there is going to be that chemistry that needs to be reestablished. Let's we got, and the nice thing is, and not to not to short UMass, but just looking at things objectively, really, he's got two weeks to get back into the groove before we play a San Diego State team that is. The, as an overall team, they're they're good, not great, but that defense is great uh-huh. in spite of the offense's lack of production. So he's if he's your horse and he's the one you're riding, which, by the way, I'm fully – you look at the Drew Bledsoe-Tom Brady situation, like if this coaching staff decides, hey, Baylor's our hot hand and we're going to ride him th- as long as we can, I fully respect and, and – can get behind that decision as well. But if you're going back to Zach, no, the the struggles and things, in fact, I would expect those to a large degree. Now, if it gets to be a situation where the game is in jeopardy in each one of these two weeks, then yeah, you got to do what you got to do and, and, you know, pull the hook. I don't, there is a very small chance uh, of that happening. So no, you let him work the rust off and you have two, eight quarters worth of play for him to get ready for San Diego State in a potential bowl. Well, we have clearly seen a, a different offensive philosophy over the last three weeks. I don't know if it's a different scheme, but, but certainly uh, different play calling and things like that. I, I'm anxious to see what Zach can do in, in this offense right now. How do you think what we've seen over the last three weeks fits what Zach does? I think so. You're you're right. The risk taking, the setting up of plays, and then cashing in off variations off of those plays, from the play action to the you know the end around fakes and all those things. The creativity, right? Yeah. I, I too am excited to see what Zach can do in this. Now, I will say this objectively: Baylor has come in, and Baylor is a he is an executor, and he does not do much. The the freewheeling, the improvisation, the gunslinger type that we that endears us all to Zach. That's not Baylor's game. His is more what call the play, execute play, move on. He won't disappoint you. Right. But he's also not giving you those, you know, the highlights that you have are pretty run of the mill. It's like, oh, there he completed a slant. Oh, look, he threw a 10 yard stop. It's, it's not the, it's not the sports center worthy stuff that you love, Zach. Now, that said, if Zach comes back, it could, I think Zach. And it could have been out of necessity early early in the season that he he was running around and having to make plays outside. In fact, I wouldn't say it could be. I would say it was. That was just in order to produce and move the ball down the field. That's what he was having to do. Now, what I'm excited to see is Zach come back. 
take everything that he saw Baylor have such great success in and execute the play called, and then in the off chance, because this offensive unit's playing so much better, so in those rare plays where things do break down or it isn't there, then add his improvisation. Where he could get into trouble or where he might see some struggles coming back is if he tries to improvise when there is no need for improvisation. Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation, former quarterback, current radio analyst, ready for BYU and Idaho State on Saturday. It is senior day. BYU can clinch bowl eligibility. And let's talk about some of those seniors. Diane Gawoluku, Aleva Hifo, Moroni Laulupututau, Austin Lee, Talon Shumway, Micah Simon, Troy Warner, and Chris Wilcox are going to be redshirting and coming back. So they're seniors, but they're under that exception. What senior will BYU miss the most that's not going to be back next year? I probably would say uh, on the field and overall, my vote goes to Diane Gunwalaku. And just as an open field tackler and being so versatile on the back end of that defense and as well as his leadership, he's more of a quiet leader. He's not very demonstrative and outspoken, but he's extremely well respected. I've seen him interact with his teammates enough. And he's been, he's been the anchor of that, of that defense, I think, not just this year, but the last couple of years. And then secondly, um, on the or on the offensive side of the ball, Micah Simon. I, I don't know. I've always liked Micah. I've known him ever since he's been on campus, and I've always been really impressed with him. But to see him kind of fade, he wasn't getting as many targets, not as many catches. You know, it, he up until the last couple of games had a big drought without a touchdown and any meaningful catches but the way he is has hung in there the way he's represented himself represented the university and then just in this senior season come up big in big spots Tennessee you know none bigger than the Tennessee play uh he would be my vote on the offensive side of the ball look you're not stepping out on a limb by saying that BYU could run the table win a bowl game and get to nine wins <laughs> on this season how realistic do you think that is I give it a I'm if I had to bet right now like I'd put two-thirds one-thirds odds in other words 66 percent chance that they do that uh, it's going to be a challenge because you don't know who you're gonna play in the right. bowl game but Look, I you always want to be cautious against Toledo and South Florida, but I also want to be objective. When I pop on the film of Idaho State and UMass, in fact, I'll be when I popped on the film of Liberty, I was like, this is a better South Florida team. Now we're better, and we got them at home, so I don't. I think we should win, but objectively, I knew Liberty was going to be a football game. Seeing the Idaho State film and having watched a couple of UMass games for uh, just the TV copies earlier in the, I I don't see that happening the next two weeks. And then objectively looking at San Diego State, I stayed up and watched the Nevada game this last weekend. Hopefully the rest of Cougar Nation did. They're as much into scouting the opponents as I am. He's putting in the work, people. Look, it's the broadcasting thing taking it seriously. Well, and it enriches the experience on game day. But when I see San Diego State, yeah, that defense is formidable. But BYU's defense is also playing better. I that that. It'll be interesting to see what FPI ranks it, but I think that's probably you know a 60-65% chance of a BYU victory. So there you're at 8-4, and four, and then depending on the matchup in the bowl game, if it's Hawaii, I really like my chances. They mentioned some other teams from the American Conference. That's what I'm hoping for because that's going to be the biggest challenge and the best game. That'll be a hotly contested game that uh, you know could go either way depending on how the teams are playing going into it. So that that's why I'm so confident in saying I see it more likely than not that they end up nine and four. All right, Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. A two thirds, sixty six percent, and maybe it's right. UCF as was projected by Brett McMurphy yesterday. Riley, thanks for coming in, man. We really thanks appreciate for having it. me. Always a pleasure. Coming up, former Wake Forest head basketball coach Dave Odom previews the Maui Invitational. And speaking of one of those seniors at BYU will miss a lot next season, Diane Gawoluku. If you've missed his incredible backstory, 
you're not going to want to turn the channel. We go deep blue as he escapes civil war. This is BYU Sports Nation. The fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer team begins the NCAA tournament run on BYU TV. Tune in as BYU hosts Boise State in an opening-around match at Southfield Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, again on BYU TV. All part of a huge week for BYU athletics, soccer, volleyball, even cross-country in the Mountain Region Championships, football, basketball. Oh, we love it. We also love to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. We need to get an actual whip here. BYU football hosting Idaho State Saturday. It is senior day. Last home game of the season. The game begins 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch on BYU TV or ESPN3. It'll be the broadcast. You can also listen on BYU Radio. And the Cougars get some good news. Troy Weiner, Chris Wilcox, both expected to play against the Bengals. Men's basketball. BYU hosts Southern Utah tonight. In-state showdown, bounce-back opportunity following a loss to San Diego State for the Cougars last week. And according to our stat of the day, it's just what Dr. Cosmo ordered. BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU basketball is 11-0 all-time against Southern Utah, beating the Thunderbirds by an average of 24.2 points per contest. You know how you can improve on that? 12-0 tonight. There you go. Tip-off, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Watch the game live on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio. Also, today marks College Hoops Signing Day. Stay with us, especially on our social media accounts at BYU Sports Station, for updates on BYU basketball recruiting signees. Soccer. Postseason awards were handed out in WCC for women's soccer. Head coach Jennifer Rockwood named the coach of the year. Michaela Coulihan named the player of the year. Lead that. Absolutely. Seniors Elise Flake and Alyssa Jefferson named to the all-WCC first team. On the all-WCC second team had Lizzie Braby and Rachel Lyman. This week's BYU Sports Nation feature of Deep Blue highlights senior defensive back Diane Galwoliku, Northridge High School represent. We went to the same school. He's arguably BYU's most impactful defensive player this season. His backstory, in a word, remarkable. One of escaping civil war to learning a new way of life and eventually becoming a leader. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, here is Diane Galwoliku in Deep Blue. My name is Diane Galwoliku Lake. I was born in Liberia, that's West Africa, and I came here when I was five because it was like a civil war going on. He's come out and been open about how some things come a little bit harder to him as far as school and learning, and he's a a kid that is really the epitome of putting your head down and just working hard at something. We saw my mom for the first time. She picks it up at the Salt Lake Airport, and we're just, like, amazed. Just like, this place is big. You know, the minute I saw them get off the plane, the minute I saw Diane with connected eyes, he just kind of melted my heart. So he was scared. He was just quiet. Couldn't say anything. Me and my sister, it was our first time seeing, like, white people. So we're just like, what the heck is this? This lady's taking our hands, like, taking us to a car. So we didn't know what was going on. And it was just a culture shock. The environment, like I said, I was switching the light switch off and on because it's all new to me. Seeing light, table, food, they brought us like chicken noodle soup. That was like our first meal we ate. And we also had to learn English, so it was hard to understand them and communicate. So we were just freaked out until my dad actually came back to Utah and 
was like explaining everything to us. Everything was gonna be good. Like, I said, if you do come here, you have to work hard. You have to go to school, do everything you can. Quickly batted up and intercepted. Did they get it? If they got it, it's over. It's over. The Cougars picked it off, and in overtime they won it. Every game, I was writing a memo or a letter. I said, remember. Where you came from, remember what I told you. So you play this game, you play with all your heart, you'll be successful. And that's what he always do. Play with all your heart. Big hit. Balls out. Cougars got it. Go to the end zone. Touchdown. His story to his teammates and to the players is really a story of just triumph over difficulty, just having determination. And he's been fun to be around just because... The odds were really against him as far as coming to a tough academic school. He's the kind of guy that when you give him a challenge, he'll just he'll surpass it. He'll, he'll overcome anything. And I probably made the mistake, which I think now is a good challenge, and just basically told him that, hey, a lot of people don't think he can make it here because school's so hard. That was the last we ever worried about his academics. Refuse to be outworked, whether it's um, weight room, running sprints or whatever the case may be in classroom as well you know a guy who, who came in an underdog as far as academic goes he's really done a good job just fighting through all the things that he's had to and not really looking at it as a crutch but something that's just determined him to get through his education Diane has an incredible commitment to the contact of football maybe as much or more than any player I've ever coached he really enjoys with a smile the contact part of the game. I just really like to hit. Like that's the one thing I separated, like football and soccer. Like I said, I used to play soccer when I was little on a competitive team, and I had to like decide which one. Football just really stood out to me. Just I'm like, you get to hit kids, like you get to hit other people, like and it's legal. I'm like, I got it for sure. <laughs> I got it for sure. Stick with football, like because soccer, I used to get like penalties called on me just for, like for shoving little kids, and everything's a foul on me. Like so, football that was never the problem. Rewarded obviously for hitting kids, and I was like, I like that. A lot of guys will muster the courage necessary to make the play at the moment. A lot of guys enjoy being the aggressor when the angle is correct to to make contact. Diane enjoys all contact, never flinches. It's particularly amongst DBs. I think there's, he's one of the best there is. Getting married to my wife, Madison, that was like one of the biggest highlights because she changed my life for sure. Because even here, I still, like I said, I was focused, but I wasn't all the way there focused in school or football, really. And getting married to her uh, last year, she just kept me in like a straight line, like had me organized and take care of my homework before I even like think about anything else like video games stuff like that she was always there to love me and take care of me and she deserves the world and that was just like a big highlight in my life and she's she's like one of those ride or die girls like I said she gives me that energy to and motivates me and pushes me to do better in my life I remember telling him once that doors would open and things would happen and that he would just be amazed with his family and and the people back home and and all those things if he continued to do what he needed to do and be strong in it. Remember your heritage. Remember those that fought for you to be here where you are. You walk on the shoulders of giants. So be proud of whatsoever, wherever your son or daughter coming from. You have pride in him as a human being first. Secondly, you should have pride in him for what he is. He will always be on that 
and become somebody better in the future. What a story for Diane Gawoliku. Deep Blue delivering another fantastic feature piece on uh, these BYU athletes. Yeah, they are absolutely fantastic. Coming up, I will make and one picks, uh, but will they be good? And Maui Invitational Tournament Chairman Dave Odom, why he says his former player, Tim Duncan, recently made a terrible mistake, and what does he think of this year's Cougars? This is BYU Sports Nation. The BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us for complete coverage of Saturday's Senior Day for BYU football as they host Idaho State. Countdown to kickoff begins at 2 Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. The game begins 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. You can watch it all on BYU TV. Yesterday, Jerem Jordan and I had the opportunity to speak with tournament chairman of the Maui Invitational, Dave Odom. Fabulous college basketball coach. He was Tim Duncan's coach at Wake Forest, and he's always... A very entertaining guest. In fact, he gave us this gem last Go time. Uh huh. We began our latest conversation with Coach Autumn with the following question How does one become the chairman of the Maui Invitational? You live a good, clean life, man. <laughs> and then you know all the right people, all the right backs to scratch. And then you just hope that uh, Lady, uh, Lady Luck, good fortune just finds you someplace walking in North Carolina out of bounds out of Banks uh, Beach one day, which is what happened. I was out there walking, and the phone rang. I was out there by myself. It was October. Uh, there was a little bit of a chill in the uh, air, and the phone rang, and it was uh, Kipper Sports calling, looking for somebody to lead him into the next decade over in Maui. And I said, try me. <laughs> and it's been a great gig ever since. And another great tournament is set up here uh, with BYU and, of course, Chaminade, Dayton, Georgia, Kansas, Michigan State, UCLA, Virginia Tech. Are you kidding me? I mean, the Maui Invitational is the premier tournament to be in. BYU in, in it for uh, you know, the third or fourth time. And this is awesome. What, it, what is it like in selecting which teams will participate and why BYU? Well, uh, you, you, you've sort of edged on, on how I do it uh, in your uh, d- description of, of the tournament itself being uh, really strong. Um, when I took over the chairmanship of, of the tournament, um, when I talked to Steve Lesnick and Steve Skinner, Steve Skinner is the um, uh, CEO of, of Kemper Lesnick Sport, and, of course, Steve Lesnick is the president and owner. And when I talked to them, I said, what, what do you want for your tournament? They said, we want the strongest tournament possible. Well, to me, that means getting the best eight teams you can get each and every year. A lot of the really – and there are a lot of really good uh, holiday tournaments. But, but if you look at them, most of them will have four really good teams, maybe a fifth and then they'll throw in two, maybe three teams that could be good but don't carry the cachet of um, the brand-name teams that we try to get in Maui. Um, And so 
I tell my team, uh, and, and I, I have an administrative team that I manage, uh, look, uh, I'm going to get the best eight teams I can get each and every year. I don't want the uh, teams. Uh, and actually, when I, when I talk to a, a, a coach like, say, Dave Rose, who's been such a great coach there and uh, he loves BYU, when I talk to Dave Rose and Dave's gone, and, and Dave's gone by about, uh, you know, coming to Maui, you know, he never asked me who the other teams were because he knew I was going to get the, the uh, seven other best teams I could possibly get to go against his BYU Cougars. And that's what they want when they come over. Dave Odom, tournament chairman of the Maui Invitational with us on BYU Sports Nation. Why is BYU a common name that comes up in discussions about programs to invite to this prestigious tournament? Well, BYU is a national university. I, I know they, uh, you people in, in uh, Utah want to kind of keep it uh, within the confines of the state, but really uh, because of the Mormon uh, denomination uh, and, and the way uh, BYU uh, recruits all over not only the United States but the world, and you've got the uh, the the, the you know, when they go out and they stay for, you know, a couple of years at a time. Yeah, the missionary come program. Back. I mean, it's just, yeah, missionary program. It um, it really behooves uh, me as a tournament chairman uh, to look at them every four years as a possibility of, of coming over because you are such a, you're a national known, you're a, a really good brand uh, as it relates to, television and, and uh, radio coverage and newspaper uh, coverage, uh, but also, uh, and this is very important to me, you do your job, and I'm talking BYU's university now, in terms of fan following uh, their team over to Maui. I, I know BYU is going to do their share. They're going to uh, they're going to fill their, their, their seats. Um, and so that's really important to me as well. Thanksgiving week in Maui. Are you kidding me? Who wouldn't want to go to that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, how are the matchups determined? Uh, the championship round, of course, is the 25th through the 27th at the uh, Lahaina Civic Center there in Maui. BYU matches up with UCLA? Well, I do, I do the pairings. Um, now, I do consult with our, one of our partners, uh, ESPN, because I want them satisfied. I, they they don't decide who BYU plays, but I do want them involved in when BYU and UCLA play. What what the time frame is, because I I don't want them. I don't. I would not want UCLA and BYU playing at say 11 p.m. on the East Coast. That wouldn't sell. Okay. Uh, you know, people are not going to stay up that late. So I do consult ESPN for, you know, th- this is, uh, and in, in BYU's case, this is BYU, UCLA, what is a good time frame for them to play? And then I try to work it out like that. The other thing I do, guys, is um, in looking ahead, um, I, I try to get first-round pairings that really are interesting to everybody. Uh, and then I try to peer ahead one round to the semifinals. It's important that if, uh, as they call it, chalk holes, then you're going to get a good second round 
beyond that, you can't. I, I can't do anymore. The team's just got to play well. Dave Odom with us on BYU Sports Nation. Why do you like the opening round matchup between UCLA and BYU specifically? Well, uh, they're both West Coast teams, uh, basically, and uh, you, you, there, there's newness in both programs. Uh, Mick Cronin is the new coach at UCLA. Um, I know the kind of teams that he puts out at, um, uh, or he has put out at Cincinnati, um, and I'm hoping that he'll bring the same type of uh, toughness uh, to UCLA. And uh, from Mark Pope's uh, standpoint, uh, he was at Wake Forest uh, for a year or so, and I got to know him really, really well there. And, you know, he went out and, and uh, did a great job in a short period of time there. And fortunate enough, uh, BYU called him and said, look, our job is open. Dave Rose has stepped aside now, and we need uh, somebody who loves the university and is going to really work hard and, and uh, uh, touch all the uh, the, the – Dot all the I's and, and cross all the T's, and I think Mark's a good choice for them. So there's a lot of newness uh, in the uh, programs at both places, and they're close enough that there's going to be a sense of rivalry uh, when we get to Maui. Mark Pope is a very fun, energetic guy. He's extremely excitable. I, I love hanging out with him, uh, having him here at BYU. A couple weeks ago, he was at the West Coast Conference Media Day, and he went around in a NASCAR uh, you know, on a track at like 200 miles an hour or something crazy. What can you do with him to take advantage of that personality in Maui? Well, uh, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I got him there. I'm going to leave that to ESPN. <laughs> uh, Maybe he and Jay I, Billis are doing to, something I'll, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I will try to corral him. I'll try to re- bring him in uh, long enough to coach the game and not be silly doing it. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I <laughs> He better, I can tell you that, because uh, it will be a um, huge uh, comparison between uh, Mick Cronin and Mark Pope. Um, Mick Cronin, the next time he smiles in and around a game will be his first. <laughs> and and uh, Mark Pope, when he stops smiling, it will be his first. <laughs> so we've got really a good... Uh, a good contrast in styles here. Coach, when are you going to bring Tim Duncan on as your assistant tournament chair? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I, to be quite honest with you, I had talked about him coming this year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he did something foolish. Uh, he took assistant coaching job with San Antonio. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what. I don't know what that's all about. It's not like he needs the money, I'll tell you that. <laughs> or the hours. Oh, no, that is great. No, I mean, I bet you I bet you right now he's questioning that. <laughs> I retired from this. Despite all of your teaching, he still went and became a coach. Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, he went that's the only thing that he did contrary to what I tried to teach him. Uh, great stuff. We enjoyed watching uh, you coach him at Wake Forest, and we always enjoy talking to you and look forward to a fantastic Maui Invitational. Thanks so much, Dave. Listen, uh, we look forward to having the Cougars come out again. Uh, it's going to be a great tournament. We've got uh, eight really good teams, and that includes Shamanai. They're going to be really good this year. Um, I hope you guys are going to be there. Uh, if not, I'll call your boss and make sure that he sends you over there because you guys are part of the program. And, uh, you know, we'll. Uh, I look forward to seeing my good friend uh, Dave Rose. I know he's going to be over there. I know he had 
little bit of a scare, but I also know he's he's doing well. So I'll see he and his uh, lovely wife. And uh, good luck to the Cougars, and you guys win some games before you get there, and we'll hype this thing once you do. You got it. Thanks so much, Coach. All right. Dave Odom with us on BYU Sports Nation. Here we come, Hawaii. I like it. Coming up, a certain team on campus, fine, women's soccer, dominated their conference postseason awards. It's all coming up in the Rising Shadow. Plus our and one picks. Jason's joining the fun. Yes. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Subscribe to BYU Sports Nation, plus rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Time for our and one picks. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. All right, Jason, I'm going first. Okay. Four BYU players will score in double figures tonight. And one. BYU will shoot better than 71% from the free throw line, giving me a total of three points. Let's roll out Jerem's picks yeah, you as well. Jerem's, Jerem's gone uh, real detailed here. <laughs> Dalton Nixon and Colby Lee will combine for 12-plus points and 7-plus rebounds. Give us some of that. And one. BYU will make nine or fewer threes. Cougars currently averaging eight and a half. What do you got, Jason? I'm making picks. Here we go. Mm-hmm. My first pick, BYU will wear its home whites. Okay. You know what? Oh, come on. And one. I actually like that. BYU will go to the free throw line at least once. Okay. You know what? You're disqualified. Okay, If you're not going to take it real, you're not going to play seriously. Look, I have no chance to win. What do I care? Okay? What do I care? You could really get at No, you're just going to stay at zero. Okay? I'm awarding you no points. It's fine. Yeah, well, I am being told. I see your picks. I probably do have a chance to win. Okay. <laughs> Our question of the day. What is a fair expectation for BYU basketball in the nine games without Yoli Childs? They're one and one thus far. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Grizzfather on Instagram says, I honestly believe they will fight and scrap and be in every game. With that said, four and five is my low expectation. Five and four is my fair expectation. Hashtag free Yoli. I like it. Today's rise and shoutouts. Let's combine here, Jason. Yes, women's soccer cleaning up on the uh, postseason WCC soccer awards. Well deserved. Uh, basically everyone <laughs> yes, won an award. Absolutely. Our thanks to today's guest, BYU football radio analyst Riley Nelson and tournament chairman from the Maui Invitational, Dave Odom. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. You sure you don't want to change your animal picks right now? I'm happy with them. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Daniel Bobick. BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs next on BYU TV. See you tonight at 9 Eastern for basketball. Go Cougs!